Good. Good morning. I'm Pastor Tommy. I'm the children's pastor here. I just wanted to go over some things with you guys. Um, my wife and I get to we get to experience some really cool things with our children. I'm sure that parents all experience some really cool things with their kids. But one of the things that we like to do is we love uh, to be the first one in Oliver's room. Oliver is our son that's now four years old, and he's aut- autistic. It's really cool because it's it's almost exciting whenever you get to go into his room because he's always thrilled about seeing you and and it's like a new day every time that he um, greets you in his room he's just like daddy mommy that kind of stuff so we usually try to rush if I'm at home we try to rush into the room to see who can get their first kind of thing my my wife and I so uh, one of the cool things that happened just recently and I, I know I've shared this with some of you guys before but it was really neat because. Uh, my wife and I, we, we heard some uh, some stirring over the monitor, and we were like, okay, let's get up, let's hurry, let's go. So we go to the, do- the we go to the door, and we're listening to him, and he's quiet for just a second, and and we get to open up the door, and as we open up the door, he pushes back the covers that he's on, and he was sleeping in this big reclining chair. We have a recliner in there that he likes to chill out in sometimes, so he was in the recliner, and and um, we're like, Oliver, good morning. He's like, it was so cool because what he did is he held up two items. Um, these were precious items that we had given him a while back, and he just thinks they're the coolest things, and he runs around the house with them all the time. And two of the, the two different items that he had lifted up was uh, his Nerf sword for Daddy, and, and it was cool because uh, he also handed Heather a flower. And it was, it was so precious because these were gifts that we had given him. And, and he had them in his possession, and he, he just, it was such an awesome thing for him to have. And, and it was one of those things where, as I was a kid, I would have never wanted to share it kind of thing. But he was willing to share the things that were so precious to him with us that morning. And it just made our day so much better to know that he was willing to give us the most precious things that he had. And I just wanted to share that with you guys this morning. You know, uh, I, I had Pastor Tommy share that this morning with us because God is the very same way with us. He has given us everything. You know, uh, when Heather and Tommy gave Oliver this flower and this sword, Oliver didn't, this wasn't his possessions at the beginning. No, it was given to him from his parents. It was given to him And much like our lives, God is the very same way. Isn't God amazing? That God is the same way that He owns everything, but yet He still allows us to be stewards of it. It still allows us to take care of His own possessions. You see, Psalms 50 says that God, He is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He owns everything. He doesn't need anything from us. Much like Heather and Tommy didn't need a, a sword and a flower. Oliver, though, out of the thankfulness of his heart, out of the love of his own heart for his parents, gave them what was valuable to him. Our God works with that, where we give him what is valuable to us. Let's pray this morning. God, this morning, we lift you up. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for your love. We thank you so much for giving us your son on the cross we never asked and we never deserved to have him take our penalty our penalty of sin and to die so that we can have eternal life 
And we thank You so much for that. Lord, I just pray that this morning, that as we get into Your message, as we talk about a subject that most pastors fray from, even myself, very, very nervous about preaching God. But Lord, it is something that is so biblically true. So much needed in my own life and everybody's life. And that is the fact that you have given us much. And the least we can do is say thank you by giving what we can back. Just as Oliver, let our hearts be as Oliver's, as a child this morning. And be open to hear what you have to say. Not what I say. Not what anybody else says in this place. But your word. What's your son's name I pray, dear Lord. Amen. This morning, uh, first of all, I'm Pastor Till. I'm the lead pastor here at Watermark Church. And I want to welcome you this morning to Watermark Church. We're finishing up our series, Censored, today. This is a con- kind of the conclusion to the series. And so uh, it's been a good series. It has been a very life changing series. I've heard many testimonies from people who have sent me emails, who have pulled me aside and told me at how this series has changed their life. I even had one gentleman even tell me that it was through one of the series that we were talking about with the family, as I was preaching about the family, that he reached out to his brother that he has not spoken to in years. Man, that is just something. It's not about me. It's not me. I didn't do anything. But it's God working on people's lives. Because you know, God's what He places these messages in my heart. And that's where we develop the series from. And so I can only give Him the glory for allowing Him to be able to work in people's lives. And this morning we're going to be talking about, as I said in my prayer, a subject that is kind of one of those that people either go, oh, I can't believe He's talking about that. And pastors pray from it. But we're going to be talking about spending where we spend our money, our giving. And, and the reason why we're going here is, first of all, I want to throw out a disclaimer and say that I am not talking about this because we need, uh, that I want you to just give all your money to Watermark Church. I mean, if you want to, I'm not going to stop. But no, seriously, this is not a corporate concern that we're pre- preaching on this morning, that I'm preaching on this morning. This is a spiritual one-on-one with you and God concern. This is something that each believer, each follower of Christ should one-on-one with God be giving what they have. And we've talked about our time. We've talked about how we can serve. And we've talked about our talents. And now this morning we are talking about spending. Our, where do we spend our money? Where are we giving our money? And if you've got your Bibles, turn into Psalms 50. We're still remembering the key passage from Censored, and that's Matthew 15. But while you're turning in your Bibles to Psalm 50, uh, Matthew 15 reminds us, but the things that come out of the mouth, this is Jesus saying, come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And sometimes our heart can be leaning towards where we give our money. Many times I heard a a, a pastor once say that if you were to open up your checkbook, you would find who you where your heart is, where the money is being spent. Most of all, that is where your heart is for for guys. If you're dating a lady and you're spending money on nice things for her and taking her out to dinner and all this, you know where your heart is. And, and and wives and husbands, if you see that you're spending for each other, you know where your heart is. Sometimes though, you have to spend for you have to spend for things like bills. I mean, we don't want to see bills. We want to pray that bills go away. But unfortunately, we, we we owe to others, and that's what a bill is. And so, but God wants us to remember that what He has given us is truly His. And that in, in Psalms chapter 50, you will see beginning in verse one. 
The Word of God says, The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place, to the place where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before Him, and around Him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am your God. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or for your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountain and the creatures are the field of mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Man, what a good word from God there. Psalms 50. I want to just sit there just a little bit. I also want to throw out another disclaimer as we're getting further into this. Understand this, that this in no way is a health or wealth or prosperity message. Because there is no such thing as the prosperity gospel. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, going, I'm just going to tell you, the only people who prosper from the prosperity gospel are those who generally tend to preach it. So this is not a prosperity gospel message. I am not here to preach prosperity. Because God, is the way I look at God, is He is not a slot machine in the sky. That God, if I give you this much, you're going to definitely, you're going to win, I'm going to win, and all of a sudden a fat check shows up in my mailbox. But I will tell you what God, how God is and who God is. God is a God who loves us so much that when we give, just as Oliver did to Tommy and Heather, when we give from our heart when we give what is valuable and precious to us he always will meet our needs he will never see that we go without it may not be financial needs that you have but let me tell you you need help and there are times that he begins whenever we are just faithful to him you know what we notice our health is good you don't understand how god works in our lives there may be needs that you did not know you needed You don't realize that maybe just because of a second delay you had on your way to work avoided a major accident. You just missed that time. And that's just something, a delay that God just placed there so that you could avoid it. You you understand, you see, God completely is in control of our lives. And when we are faithful with what we have, the little that He has given us, because He owns it all, so it's a very tiny bit. When we are faithful with the little that He has given us, trust me, His Word says, that he will bless us. Look at the end of, of, of that passage I just read. Verse 15. He said, or 14, sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High. And what does he say? And call on upon me in the day of trouble. And what will he do? Oh, uh, well, you didn't give enough. No, he says, I will deliver you and will honor and you will honor me. I will deliver you. That means that whenever we are needing something in our lives, God will deliver us. But all He asks for is that we be thankful that we fulfill our vow of just saying, God, this little bit that you have given me, I just want to say thank you and give it back to you. Just as Oliver gave this sword and the flower. I just want to say thank you. He gave a very precious thing that he loved. I just want to say thank you. You see, 
God doesn't need anything. Point number one, you see in your, in your notes there, God does not need anything I give. Very simple. Verse 12, if I, God, were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. He does not need anything. Tommy and Heather did not need a sword and a flower. They owned it. It was theirs. They're the ones who gave it to Oliver so that he would be a steward of that sword and of that flower. And what did Oliver do? He turned around and said, thank you. I want to give it back to you. God does that in our lives. He works that way. Sometimes uh, we, when we see that, all he asks is that we be thankful and we give it back to him. We give a portion of that back to him. We give from our hearts. Understand that when it says it on every one of your, your giving envelopes there. It says it anywhere that we talk about giving for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. God says to be a cheerful giver, not a fearful giver. Many times we have people who are fearful givers. And God does not want you to be fearful. Do you understand the Greek word for cheerful is hilarious? The actual Greek word for cheerful is hilarious. I mean, it is a laughing. It is a joyful. It is something that when you give, it is not to be in fear of, oh. You know what? When you give, it is initially taking that step and going, God, I trust that you're going to carry me. I'm giving you what you, a portion of what you've given me. And you're putting your trust in. You know, when we give, it is an act of trust. It is an act of showing God our faith in him because we can say yes we have faith in you god yes we love you god but it when we give it is one step further to say you know what god i am taking this step of faith and i'm showing i'm proving it to you that i am giving you back a portion of what you've given me turn over real quick i know it's not on the screen here guys just uh my, my my tech guys they do a great job of making sure everything's up there but luke 21 i just want you to take a look in your bibles to luke 21 over in the new testament here and there's, it's a very short section there, Luke 21, beginning of verse 1. And generally I don't move around, but we're going to move around just a hair this morning. Luke chapter 21, because here Jesus was sitting at the temple. And you see at the temple they had these things very much like, like these. These are, these are our giving baskets here. I'm going to explain a little bit more about these uh, a little bit later. Very much like these, they had this at the temple. Big box. And at the temple, the big box would be laying there, and they would pay a temple tax. And so people who would come would pay a tax. It was required. If you were going to be a good uh, Israelite, you were going to have to pay a temple tax. Well, the rich liked to come up there, and they, they really did this. You know, this isn't made up or, or anything. like The rich liked to come up there, and they liked to walk up there and be like, Yeah, look what I got. Oh, how many zeros do you see on that check? Oh, can you see my check? And they probably, some of them may, if they could have had the big golf size checks, you know, when you win at the golf course, they'd have been walking with that giant check in there, and they'd be like, yeah, count the zeros. And they're trying to put it in the box, and they're standing there, clink, clink, clink. How many are you hearing? Clink, clink, clink. How many? Oh, come on, we're up to ten now. Clink. Jesus is seeing this, because they would do this. Some of, not, not all the rich people would, and that's fine, you know, but some of them were so arrogant, so prideful of their wealth, that they wanted everybody to know that they were very wealthy. And they would just be clink, clink, one at a time. And here comes this lady. Look at verse uh, 1 of, cha- of Luke chapter 21. So as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two 
very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, this is what Jesus says. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. He didn't say all she had, but she's got a big savings account set up aside. No, she put in all that she had to live on. Those two copper coins were her food for the week. Those two copper coins were her, her if she needed medicine, were her medicine for the week. Those two copper coins, if she her donkey needed some gas or some hay, that was her gas for the week. That was some hay for the week. Those two copper coins were everything that she had. And you know what she did? She said, you know what? I, I trust completely in you, God. I am giving them over to you. And before God himself, Jesus sitting there, before him sitting there, he says, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has put in more than all the others because here's how I can picture the widow. Now, I don't know for sure. I wasn't there, but I can just picture the widow just came up and just put in her money. She didn't fret. She didn't make a scene. She didn't sit there and go, these are my last two. Do you have some to spare for me? No. She just put in her money and walked away. And Jesus standing there, sitting there, seeing this, sees the wealthy coming because the wealthy were just giving out of their wealth. They weren't giving out of their lives. See, that was the difference between her. She not only gave what she had financially, but it was because she was giving her um, uh, God her heart, her trust. She was giving God, she was trusting in God when she put all she had that for that week he was going to make sure she had food to eat. That for that week that he was going to make sure that she had medicine when she needed. For that week that whatever need arose that would be provided, she gave it all. She trusted in him. Come on, people. We have to do it sometimes where we just got to put our lives and give him what we have and trust in him that he will meet our needs. Because our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God is a very big God. We sing about it. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is stronger than what? He is God. He owns it all. He is God. So why do we fear when whatever He has given us, such as the flower and the sword to Oliver, instead we just give it back? It is a value to us. Yes, it is a sacrifice. That's the purpose of it. Is God expects that it is to be a sacrifice because it is us saying, you know what, God? I am giving you all. I am trusting in you and i will tell you i know he will meet every need let me tell you a story before i went and finished up my seminary i worked in the police department i worked at one of the highest paid police departments in alabama a city of called hoover hoover police department was where many people tried to get them because they paid they were the highest in the state and they paid very well i was making good money now, I'm not here to brag about money. Trust me. Because I, you know, right now, I'm in no position. I have <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it's just the thing is, is, is I was making very good money then. And this is the thing. God had put it on my heart to continue my education because he had called me to be a pastor. He had called me to preach. I was already serving in ministry. I'd been serving for many years in churches as a, a minister of music. So most of my background was music, but I knew God had called me into pastoral ministry. And I told God, I said, I want to finish schooling before I get up to start preaching because I want to not only know the word from my heart that I already knew as a believer, but I also want to know it from the depth of education, from the knowledge of theology. And so I went to school. 
Well, I knew that was going to be a huge sacrifice because for me to go to school to complete my schooling whenever I started really ramping down, I got my first two years knocked out. It literally took six years for my first two years of college because it was English and all that stuff. I just did those part-time because I had to work. But I had saved up a little bit of money and said, all right, I'm going to go to college and finish up. So I went down to the Baptist College of Florida in Graceville, Florida. No job. I had enough to survive. But I had no scholarships, no grants or anything because they said I made too much. And so you know how it works. That's fine. Truly, it was one of those things where I said, God, this is your call. This is your will. And I am going to be obedient. I'm going to do this. because I, and, and all the time that I had been, you know, one of the things that I love to do, that I abs- and I know this, and a lot of people are like, man, you're crazy. But I loved to, I really did. I loved it when I got my check was to be able to start writing my tithe check to God on Sundays whenever I was making money from the police department. And it wasn't anything, because I remember the passage to be a cheerful, be a hilarious giver. And God, I knew what one day he was going to, he was meeting my needs then. I had no worries, I had no doubt. And I put those checks in there, into the, into the offering buckets, into the offering plates when they were passed. And out of just my heart, I just loved doing it. Well, finally it comes to a point, I'm not making any money. I am truly stretched thin and putting my faith that God is going to provide I had to pay for books. I had to pay for all my classes. I had received no student loans. I received, so I said, you know what? I'm just going to do this. You know what's amazing? It's the first semester. I'm just sitting there going, God, you have called me. And I remember just praying. You have called me to do this. I'm going to be obedient in doing this. I trust that you will meet all my needs. And here's what happened. Very soon after that, I had been working with the city of, of Hoover. And now I'm in Florida, so I had completely quit that job. Of course, I had no idea that all this time I had been giving to the Alabama State Retirement. Pretty good chunk. I had no idea. Next thing I know, I know this, I'm not saying this is a prosperity or anything, but next thing I know, this is how God met my need. I was, we, we was needing, and God, this check arrived, and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is a mistake. It's from the state of Alabama. I'm like, oh, man, they made a mistake or something. But no, the state of Alabama, because I had not, uh, vested yet was giving back everything I had given into retirement and all of a sudden this rather large check did show up in the mailbox I'm not talking prosperity. I'm just talking about God saying you have a need and I'm gonna meet it So what ended up happening there is the house that I had in Alabama because I thought I was gonna live there I, I really did I thought but God just really pressed even harder than I needed to finish my schooling and go to the campus to do it the house that I lived in there at that time, the market was doing the up, not the down. Because I've been on both ends of that market. I don't like the down. But I did like the up because completely what I did not ask for, the market was, the house was on the market for, it sold for more than that. So I was able to pay off the house and then have a little bit more. Understand that it was crazy to see my income rising in my bank account, my bank account rising, and I had received no pay. I had no job. I couldn't believe it, and I just really sat down and thought, now I wish I could say that was the same. But here's the thing is that I just sat there and just began thanking God because I had a need, and so I was able to finish school without working. I was able to finish school, go to school full-time, and you can ask Pastor Adam. I mean, it's crazy if you're going at this, the level that him and I went at because we were taking 20, 24 hours of schooling per semester, which would be 12, 14 classes. So I lived at the school. I could not work. My homework was unreal. 
My, my, I mean, lived in the library too. But here's the thing. God met my need. I never had to worry. Especially for that first year. I never had to worry. He always met the needs. And you know where I look back at it and go, you know what? It was all those times that I honestly, that I was faithful and just saying, you know what, God? This isn't mine. This is yours. One day you will meet the need when I have it. And he did. I'm here to tell you right now, don't ever be afraid to give to God. You are not giving to Watermark Church. Trust me, you are giving to God. Watermark Church is the cattle. Understand that when you give to Watermark Church, when, when the money is put in there, this is what happens. Is the money's got it. We do have bills. We have a rent. We have to pay our rent. And if not, we're going to meet outside. If you want to sweat out there, we can get a tent or something like that. But it's nice to have some AC. We have to pay rent. We, our staff gets paid. Trust me, our staff gives very little pay. I promise you, we're not we're not patting our pockets or anything like that. Uh, mo- the staff combined uh, and, and the pay it would be about equivalent to what one person would make a week on a regular job. But that's all the staff. Uh, very little pay our staff gets. But here's one of the things that we're always seeking on doing with the giving is we are always seeking how can we expand the kingdom of God? How can we expand the kingdom of God? And so the great thing, I'll tell you a little bit, because at the, at the one year anniversary, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is where we've been and where we're going. We've got some great vision for what God is going to do to see kingdom expansion happen through Watermark Church. Because He doesn't need us. Once again, He owns it all. He doesn't need us to expand. But we as a church need to be faithful to Him by also. Because I am a church that, a pastor of, uh, of the church that believes that if He is going, if you give, a tithe, the church should also be giving a tithe to see the kingdom expanded as well. And so we've set up where we, where we give to the cooperative program. The cooperative program of the Florida Baptist Convention goes to give other church plants funding. They go to help other churches start it. But even more than that, one of the things that you're giving, if you saw the Easter extravaganza, do you realize that we had over 300 families, or not families, but children and adults here for the Easter extravaganza? We were able to hold a women's conference. 58 women's lives were touched because of a women's conference. We were able to have our students go to camp. And many of our students, I know parents are like, well, we deposited. We also paid some into that too as well. So our, our students were able to get uh, a life-changing experience at camp. But not only that, our soccer camp. Some of you are here today because we t- stepped out in faith and had a soccer camp. Twenty-five children enjoyed learning not just about the skills of soccer, but they learned more about the God of this Bible. Our God. Because every break on the hour, they sat there for 15 minutes and listened to two girls, missionary girls, who spent their time here to serve, and they shared the gospel. Friends, I'm here to tell you right now, the giving at Watermark is not, does not go to Watermark. It goes to the kingdom. Watermark's just the way to distribute it. We're giving it to the kingdom of God. We're seeing that it expand. Our focus is missional. And eventually we want to see other churches started. We want to be able to start supporting other churches. We want to be able to start doing missions overseas. We want to be able to start doing missions in our own backyard. There are plenty of things that we want to see done through what Watermark Church can do through finances, giving. Because as much as I hate to say it, the world does run on money. The world does require, there are expenses that have to be paid. Our God owns everything, but there are still people we have to pay bills. But understand this. I want you to turn over to 1 Timothy. I know my time is drawing near here. I'm just fired up, guys. I'm telling you, Jakey, I don't know if you left that organ on, but I'm going to be playing it in a minute. (laughs) 
I am lit up. Let's just go to point number two here. No matter no matter how much I may have, when it is time to go, I can't take it with me. Look at First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. There, verse three is where we're going to start this morning. First Timothy chapter six, beginning in verse three. Uh, if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about works that, uh, words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I have yet to see a U-Haul pulling a, I mean a U-Haul, a purse pulling a U-Haul behind it. Seriously, come on. How many of you ever been to a funeral and they've got the U-Haul sitting out there going, oh, well, we could dig a hole, we're burying it too. Because this is all their possessions. No. When the time has come for us to close our eyes and take our last breath on this earth, that's all we have. Is where are we with Jesus Christ? That's the ultimate question. That's all that's left remaining is where are you with Jesus Christ? Do you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior or you do you not? That's it. And that's what Paul was saying. But uh, verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I want to just sit there and just dissect this just for the next few minutes. Give me just a few more minutes here. But I want to tell you that one of the things that Paul says there is for the love of money is the root. Understand that the love of money is not evil. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Having wealth is not evil, but the love of wealth is. Because you know why Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You can either serve God or you can serve money. And many people we have seen have made their altar their money, have made the altar their bank accounts, have made the altar everything, and that is where they come and worship. They want to make sure that that money is building up. That's great. You know what? They cannot serve two masters, Jesus says. You can either serve one with all your heart or you can serve the other. God wants us to serve Him with everything we have. The love of money is the root of all evil. The root. Now, I want to focus in on the root. Because there's one thing I enjoy doing. I enjoy planting a garden, but I hate weeds. I love, I like flowers too. I mean, I get out there, I know it sounds kind of, you know. I do, I like a flower garden, I like to, but I hate weeds. So I put that weed guard down and I'm putting everything down and I'll see a weed come up. And now I can pop the head of that weed off and that, yeah. Okay, that's going to work real well. Popping the head of that weed off is just going to produce that weed. just going to keep growing. But here's what I have to end up doing. I have to get down there and get in and pull the root out. Do you understand that the love of money is the root? There is some digging and some painful pulling that's going to have to be done to get that love off of money and to start focusing it elsewhere. It is the root of all evil, which means you can't just remove the evil because that's like popping that top off of that weed. It's still going to grow. You've got to get to the root of the issue. You've got to get to the root of the problem. And I'm, not, I'm here to say right now, I know that there, there are many people 
who experience that, where they try and straighten their lives out. They try and get the issues taken care of. But all in all, they never really get down to the root of the problem, which is ultimately, from God's Word, the love of money. Any way that they can seek fame and fortune, they'll do it, even at the sacrifice of others at their own expense. They work their co-workers to death so that way they can make more money. We wouldn't have to have OSHA laws if it wasn't for the love of money from owners, from bosses. Come on. Staff members are going, all right, let's straighten down these OSHA numbers here. You know, because uh, Pastor Tim, you know, next meeting we'll bring that up. No, seriously, the love of money is the root of all evil. We wouldn't, you, you've got to think about it. People sacrifice others so that they can gain wealth. Look at, once you to look at just one thing. The, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have what? Have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why then do we see many people who are very wealthy, they seem like the most unhappiest people in the world? Movie stars, Elvis, anybody, people all over we hear of how they are unhappy, how they begin taking other ways, other means, drugs, they begin indulging in alcohol, they eventually, some of them even end up committing suicide. They have everything that they could ever imagine. They have more of it than we ever will ever see in our lifetime. And yet it does not satisfy them. Because as Paul says here, they have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs because money does not solve your problems. But let me tell you who does, and that is Jesus Christ. Come on, church. He paid it all. He paid it all. He takes care of our griefs. You know why? Because He had to be pierced for our transgressions. He had to be pierced for our iniquities. The love of money, people end up piercing themselves with grief. But here Jesus Christ said, I can solve those griefs. I can solve those problems. I will be pierced so that you will not have grief, so that you will not suffer, that you will have everlasting life. And that is worth any money that you could ever have in the whole entire world is to know that when you close your eyes and breathe your last here on this earth, that you are either with Him for eternity or separated from God altogether in a place called hell. No U-Hauls at your funeral. Point number three. My hope is not to be built on my wealth. Rather, my hope is to be built on God who gives everything I need. He gives you it all because He paid it all. He meets your needs Because you are faithful to give. You put your faith, you trust Him when you give. You trust Him whenever that time comes for giving. You're saying, God, this is not mine. This is yours. And I am trusting that this week you will meet all my needs. And you give it to Him. Not fearfully, but cheerfully. And ask now that every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Because truly, Jesus Christ, that song that we sang, Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I owe. Jesus paid it all. 
when He went to that cross, He was pierced for us. Because here's why. We had a sin in our lives. We were separated from God because of that sin. There was nothing we could do to ever come back. We could have given as much as we wanted. We could have tried and bought our way into heaven. But it's not going to work. Because God owns it all and He doesn't want us to buy Him. He can't be bought. Heaven can't be bought. But I'm here to tell you right now, the simplest thing that heaven can be received. Because Jesus Christ, all He says is to put your faith and trust in Me. Receive Him today. And you will have more riches than you ever imagined. And I'm not talking about here on earth. And I'm not talking about financial. And I'm not talking about physical. But I'm talking about spiritual, everlasting, eternal riches. Because you will be in a relationship with Him to be with Him in heaven forever. But this morning, you may be saying, you know what, I've done that. But as Paul had written, I had begun to start loving that money. I began serving that money. And I've taken my eyes off of my master, Jesus, and began looking at the other master I've made, and that is my wealth. I've wandered away, and I am suffering through many griefs right now because of that. Today is the day that you can turn back and say, I am tired of serving money. I'm going to rip it from the root, that love for it, and I'm giving it to you, God. I'm placing it at your feet, and I am saying, I'm tired of serving money, and I want to serve you. Maybe that's you in this place this morning. But maybe throughout this whole series we've been going through, something has been just working on your heart through censored. And you say, you know what, I have just never left it here. Today, leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. I am going to have today, we're going to have myself and Pastor Darren is going to be up here for prayer. But before we get up there, though, I just want, as with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to have, receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I just want you to say this prayer with me. It's the beginning steps. It's the beginning steps to, to you saying, I commit my life. And I want you to do it today, to receive Him completely. Just say this prayer with me. Lord, I come to You now, broken and separated from You. I've never had a relationship with You. I've never trusted You as my Lord, because I've been separated because of my sin and my life. Today, I want to have a relationship with You. Today, I want to know You for eternity. For the rest of my life, I want to make you my Lord. Because you went to the cross. You paid it all so that I can have everlasting life. You paid a debt that I deserve to pay. Because your word says for the wages of sin is death. You were innocent, but you paid that price for me. And all I can do today is say thank you, Father. Thank you for doing that. I want to make you Lord of my life. And I'm asking that you come into my heart now. Forgive me of my sins. And I want to follow you every day. For it's your son's name I pray. Amen.